Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Attention. <laughs> Listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK. Abort those hairy balls and buzz light year that woody with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAKED at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. Your dick and balls need some help for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you. So many euphemisms. Yeah, I've, that's probably the most euphemisms I've ever put into one sentence. Mm. While we're on the advertising train as well, Prison Coffee Co. Yes, they've just released an instant oh. coffee, which I'm interested to try because mostly I have a moral aversion to instant coffee, but these boys know how to make good coffee. So I'm sure they've not compromised and uh, have done a good job of it. So interested do, do you understand how instant coffee works do i understand how anything works thomas let's be honest not really is that the answer to the question or do you actually know well both i no. i think they've i think they snap freeze it i think that's the idea is you're like uh rapidly dehydrating it once it's roasted to okay to then reconstitute it with water but i'm not sure okay I'll ask yeah, um, them. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask the boys. Like, uh, I'll yeah, come I'll, back with an. Uh, uh, I'll send them a message now, and I'll come back with a uh, answer for you next week. I, I'm just curious as to the process because, like, if if someone like that is willing to make instant, my assumption is that they can, you know, do a boutique product that's better than the average instant. That's what. That's my assumption. Like, that's yeah. why I'm excited to try it. Uh, so. Yeah, I, that would be my assumption as well. Because they wouldn't do it. Like, they're yeah. not the sort of people that would do it just for the sake of doing it. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to to see how it goes. I'll still end up fucking hand grinding beans while I'm camping because I'm a fucking hipster. But, uh, yeah, you know. I feel like... I like trying new things. You need to do that while you're camping, though, because... It, there's nothing else to do. You gotta take your time. Yeah, there's an element of my camping process that's based exclusively around meals, like finish eating one meal and then start preparing the next meal and <laughs> maybe go for a walk in between. It's great. Anyway, moral of the story, go buy some Prism, use the code PeakSpeak, get a sick discount. Do, do indeed. Mm. We're, such, we're such company whores now. Like, yeah, I know. Absolute sellouts. My goal is to have an hour of sponsorships before the podcast. <laughs> 
Yeah, oh, that'd be so good. I, I um, when we start peppering the middle of podcasts with uh, sponsors, that's how you know you've really sold out. Yes, when you have like a a jingle halfway through a, a podcast. Break. Yeah, I've actually listened to a <clears> few <throat> podcasts that like were early in their podcasting career and have like got that break in the middle of the podcast. Like they've preemptively put it there, and nothing actually happens in the break. There's just like a little jingle, but mm. they've clearly put it there to start a customizing you to. Understanding that there's going to be a break there, and if you know what you're listening for, you'll know there's an ad coming. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Well, the, the weekly Waits Boys always did the break, and both times, like you went on, I went on. The break, the purpose of the break was just to chill out for a bit and sort of talk what, about what was next. Yeah, yeah. But it is it, the perfect opportunity to slip something in. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, so, how's things up north, my friend? Yeah, no complaints. Very good. Everything's good. When do you guys come out of lockdown? uh i think officially the end of lockdown is like the 15th or the 17th of october or something uh but i think we've got like a checkpoint at the end of this week uh i don't think it's going to get any better in the next two weeks and i would not at all be surprised if we were extended for like maybe another two weeks like i think it's probably more likely we get end of october early november but you know gyms are also not going to be the first thing that gets opened in a easing of restrictions so who fucking knows Mm. Mm -mm -mm. anyway let's talk about bench let's talk about bench because it's ever so slightly more entertaining than talking about coronavirus (laughs) lockdowns like only very slightly so at the end of the last episode we were talking about um the i guess mechanical advantage of an extreme arch and you sort of left it with let's talk about um approaches to assistance accessory sort of exercises for bench like what else are we going to do to continue to build a big bench so that's what this one's going to be about yes i think it's good because i have definitely in, in recent times had a a marginally different approach to how i treat bench press for those sort of two categories of of benches because i think they're probably the best it's probably the best way to separate like or, or categorize i guess bench presses in terms of their abilities and and relative strengths and weaknesses at least in the way i think about things so mm-hmm. so push pull ratio oh yeah well if it's not like 2.87 then i think you're doing it wrong uh no i guess it is another number there doesn't it 2.87 to 1.3 i don't know uh that's how ratios work isn't it yeah no dumb antiquated idea not dumb i think like a lot of these uh a lot of these heuristics that we were introduced to early in our training and and coaching careers they are based in somewhat sound logic Mm -hmm but have been reverse engineered in a way that doesn't quite stand up to what we now understand to be the principles of these movements. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it used to be about you had to uh, do what twice as much pulling as you did pushing um, to, to have adequately healthy shoulders. And it generally was perpetuated by websites like T nation and the like, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that people still talk about. And I think it's just a reductionist way of looking at things. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, the the ratio thing I think we can we can definitely throw away completely because 
um, this is like this is like using a ratio in any any other aspect of lifting. Like, why don't we have a quads to hamstrings ratio? Why don't we have a biceps to triceps ratio? Why don't we have a whatever? You know, like we uh, uh, an anterior versus posterior chain sort of ratio. Like we we don't do this in other areas of the body, and it, it seems weird and arbitrary that it just kind of crept in. Um, and back then you just didn't question it. You're just like, yeah, that sounds logical. And if someone can present an argument with enough logic, you're just like, wow, that sounds really good. That must be yeah. true. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I would extend this further. Well, one of the most, um, uh, one of the most overrated, poorly executed, um, exercises or, or muscle groups, in my opinion, when it comes to, uh, powerlifting and especially bench press is lats. So rows, lat pull downs, especially rows, like people really, really, really hype up the importance of lats, especially in bench press, you know, big back, big bench, um, and do so at the expense of, um, oh, sorry, the performance of the exercise and the load selection that they use is often at the expense of progress, mm. uh, rather than the pursuit of progress. And so like, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I would say that almost all shoulder problems, almost all positional shoulder problems, shoulder control stuff, when it comes to squat bench and deadlift outside of the main lifts themselves can be addressed and fixed in rows and lap pull downs. But it's the quality of the performance of the exercise that matters, not just the exercise itself. Yeah. It, like doing these things. So it just comes down to, this is the way that I look at it. It comes down to when we're using these exercises, we got to think, what are these for? Because if we're just saying lats, you know, rows train lats, lat pull downs train lats, great. What do your lats do when you bench? Not a great deal. They're not moving the weight. They may be contributing to like support of your spine while you're holding your arch, you know, a little bit of a base, but they're not actually doing that much. And same can be said for squats and deadlifts. They're supporting a position more than anything. So you being really strong at pulling the stack doesn't actually have that much impact. But what do your shoulders do when you're performing a bench if you subscribe to the whole shoulders back and down you know retraction depression thoracic extension they do that and we can target that in a row and a lap pull down and on top of that this is the most important thing when doing these exercises in my opinions is the range that your shoulders go through you know they're going into deep extension and this is where i believe most people screw up with their back work is that they go for load at the expense of range so start cutting the range on their rows and lap pull downs um you know, if you're doing a row and the implement is not touching your stomach, so your elbows are ending up in front of your torso, that's half the distance that you're taking your shoulder through when you do a bench press. If you're trying to train yourself to control your shoulders at end range, which is where it's the hardest to do so, it makes sense to do these things with full range. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's the, the crux of the accessory com conversation across the board is getting away from the... Uh, somewhat more bodybuilding focused approach to individual muscles or muscle groups or even potentially movement patterns and more towards how do these lifts support the positions and the demands of the things that I'm trying to get better at because the, again it's about understanding what the outcome that you're looking for is like you said and being able to use these exercises in a way that facilitates improvement in that outcome because in the end like your bench techniques isn't going to get any better because you did rows mm -hmm. but the concepts that you learn doing rows or that you can uh, train and the, the positions that you can control in those environments can then help you better understand how to execute things in a bench press 
position. And mm-hmm. so I think, like you said, being able to recognize the role that these things play and not just treating them as somewhat arbitrary garbage and turning them into looking like arbitrary garbage. Because with rows and pull downs, it's really fucking easy to do that because all you want to do is march that pin down the stack until you're mm. that dude whacking extra plates on top of the stack because you're so tough. But I don't think, yeah, you're going to get much out of that in that respect. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like what you said about like this hyperemphasis on on muscles, you know, because I think um, especially in bench press, the the conversation around triceps and bench press is so over overstated, you know. Yeah. Oh, you got to have strong triceps and bench press. Like, do you? Yeah. Are triceps and- a part of bench press? Yes. Can you yeah. measure how much of a part of the bench press they are? No. You don't no. know. And like a lot of these heuristics, they've been born of an era where the lifting was different. Like equipped lifting, heavy shirted bench presses, sure, there's probably some benefit in having really fucking strong triceps and a big four-board bench press. But if you're a raw lifter, then taking advice from or you know, accepting advice without questioning from people who grew up or, or you know, came of age in a in an era where equipped bench pressing and, and big multiply shirted benches was the norm, then it's a it's a different kettle of fish altogether. Mm, mm. And uh, you you like that point, you can see how people arrive at the logic of like we need yeah. big strong triceps, so do heaps of tricep work. And don't get me wrong, I, I program heaps of tricep work, I do heaps of tricep work. It is important, absolutely. Um so I was having juicy triceps because it's fucking cool. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but in terms of like using it as a targeting of, of a weak point, it's it's very antiquated thinking, antiquated thinking, I should say. Um, and uh, it's like, you know, oh, I fail at lockout, therefore my triceps are weak. It's like if your triceps are weak when you're failing at lockout, you wouldn't have been able to unrack the thing in the first place. Yeah. When you started the descent, you would have dropped it on your face because you wouldn't have been able to, con- you, your triceps wouldn't have been brakes. able to take yeah. 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 So it's exactly the same. We've said this a billion times. It's exactly yeah. the same as failing your lockout on a deadlift. It's a positional loss of the shoulders from the chest, not a weak tricep problem. Um, it's really hard to get that through to someone who's seen the proof in the pudding as in like, my triceps are weak. I'm going to do six months of hard tricep work. Six months later, my bench has gone up by five kilos. Therefore, I had weak triceps. Like, yeah. No, you just trained for six months. Nothing like a bit of correlation causation to really get you going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, not discounting the importance of yeah, training triceps. Exactly. Absolutely training your triceps. Um, but focus on the movement if you're looking to fix issues in the movement. Don't focus on random muscle groups. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... Do you use a different approach to how you would select accessory work based on how like technically proficient someone is and, and where they sit in that uh, that sort of spectrum? Because we talked last time about how yeah drastically increasing your arch and getting really good at the skill of bench pressing is a great way to get really you know strong in inverted commas I guess uh, very quickly. But then a lot of people see a really significant plateau coming out of that learning phase do you approach things differently or is it all kind of the same uh i'd say it's relatively similar where the main differences would be is more in the variation as in like i'd, I'd like to see those kind of people who rely on a massive arch and wide grip doing closer grip and less arch or extended range like a duffalo bar or mcdonald bar doing that as a secondary bench exercise um and really focusing on getting the numbers right and taking their shoulders through more range. The only thing I might do extra for someone like that is maybe a little bit of extra pressing, but that depends on the person. Because mm. if they're already doing high volume bench, like throwing in extra pressing on top of some regular pressing accessories is just a fast track to like 
tricep tendonitis, shoulder bursitis, just yeah. overuse sort of stuff. So yeah, by and large, not not really. It's more in like the um, selection of the main lift in terms of constraints we may add, like less arch, feet up, whatever, or the secondary bench that I generally give, or even tertiary bench that I generally give, um, will be slightly different. How about you? Yeah. What would you do different in that situation? Yeah, I'm like basically the same, right? <clears throat> I've uh, had some success with a couple of people who are like you know very big arch wide grip very technically proficient benches in actually like putting their competition bench press as like a you know tertiary or below priority in a weekly schedule and having that really there as a case of like just don't forget how to bench press and still mm. give you just a little bit of bench press stimulus in a competition environment and then having the vast majority of their pressing volume come from closer grip flatter back longer range of motion movements and just focusing on getting you know generally stronger at pressing on the assumption that we get back to more consistent competition benching and you can take that newfound strength and and add it into the right spot and for the most part that's worked reasonably well um i think pressing in general is the one where most people i've coached have done a better job with a little bit more pressing than they do sort of squats and deadlifts i think sometimes it seems like that's the case, but that's actually because too many of us probably consider squats and deadlifts to be significantly different and thus put them in two separate categories as opposed to really considering them as basically the same thing, which mm -hmm. for the most part they they are in terms of muscles and stuff. So I think it's really easy sometimes to look at a program and be like, oh, well, you're benching twice a week and only squatting and deadlifting once a week, so bench press does better with more volume. But that's not necessarily the right way to approach that discussion, I think. Um mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise it's it's really just about knowing how to bench well and then being able to stimulate everything through a sufficient range of motion to get actually get stronger. So yeah, yeah it's largely the same in terms of uh, choices for assistance work and things like that. On that same point, like, um, you know, bench response more volume versus uh, squat and deadlift we do less of. Uh, the other big thing to consider if you're listening to this too is that bench press is quite hard to systematically um, separate from the movement itself like uh, so in a squat for example you can take all the same pre principles out in terms of what the hips do where the feet are what the pelvis is doing in space and do it on a leg press so you can bolster the volume there yep, you can okay, take all the same principles yep. of what the torso is doing what the upper back's doing and do that on a good morning or an rdl yep. so the way that i structure programming and probably you as well ticks the box in terms of um, systematically addressing a lot of parts of the main lift outside of the lift itself whereas bench press it's quite hard to do that you can't take the arch out and just train the arch you can't take the leg drive out and just train the leg drive mm. so it makes sense for us to do a little bit more bench to spend a little bit more time in the in the actual skill of it um that's my way of justifying it at least anyway yeah um, look i i hadn't considered that point of view and i think it's a really useful one to think about because like other than i guess in how you coach rows and pull downs to a certain extent there's not a lot you can do that is a one for one you know segmentation of that skill in the same way mm. like yeah you know you can do things like pressing from the from a different angle or you know different grip widths and stuff but it's not the same as being able to take one aspect of that and, and train it separately yeah 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 I hadn't thought um, about that cool what do you what do you say to people when they ask about the carryover or the relevance of overhead work to bench press 
Uh, I've always liked the idea that a big overhead is built on a big bench, but a big bench isn't built on a big overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh because in my experience, people who are very strong at overhead are just generally fucking strong and so probably have a reasonably strong bench press. But not everyone I know that's really good at bench pressing has a really big overhead. And in a lot of cases, the people who are really good at bench pressing, especially on the bigger end, of, uh, more so in the males than females, I guess, but the, the very big, very strong dudes aren't in a position to be able to bench press, uh, sorry, to overhead press very well from a like, you know, purist, this is not just a standing incline bench. Um <laughs> point of view so it's one of those things that i've gone back and forwards on i've never spent a ton of time deliberately training overhead stuff for people other than strongman athletes Mm. um for the most part especially with barbell stuff i see so few people be able to actually use the constraint of a barbell in a standing position effectively enough to not just beat the shit out of their shoulders in a bench Uh, Mm -hmm. like then affect their ability to bench so i tend to steer more towards like steep incline dumbbell work and things like that rather than you know the the traditional overhead press mm-hmm. yeah i i i tend to agree especially with the the statement that like you know a, a big overhead is built on a big bench and not vice versa I, I, and like you said it doesn't automatically just correlate like that but certainly having a bigger overhead has very i think little stock in how mm. well you bench press um, my favorite example is Will Crozier because when he was benching like 220, he was really struggling to overhead press like 80 kilos, like a phenomenal yeah. difference between his bench press and his overhead strength. And it, it's just irrelevant. Who the fuck cares? Like he's, yeah. he's not doing an overhead press competition, so he doesn't need to. Um, I, I include overhead for basically everyone for the sake of keeping that plane of movement. Um, I think a loss of overhead range rapidly uh, will contribute to a loss of general shoulder control awareness, yep. et cetera. Um, like you said, if you can't control your shoulders in that range, um, loading it consistently is probably going to do more harm than good. Uh, I don't think that's an excuse to avoid overhead work. I think that's no. a reason to explore overhead work and um, uh, pursue improving your range overhead. And that's exactly how I think about it as well. I use like you exercise constraints as a way of continually training that pattern in everyone because i agree with you i think losing that overhead range is a very quick path into just ongoing shoulder health issues so i tend to use exercises that are variations of a vertical pushing motion in Mm. an environment that allows someone to perform them effectively so i'm a big fan of like a swiss bar with like neutral grip uh I very rarely give anyone other than strongman athletes like standing overhead press because mm-hmm. so few people are very efficient and, and proficient, I guess, at being able to actually brace well and still maintain a solid overhead position. So I tend to go more towards like, uh, yeah, seated overhead that's not like a pure vertical, but like that just behind vertical, mm. things like that with a Swiss bar or dumbbells or things like that. Because again, they're very rarely is that as a movement pattern first or even second priority in terms of pressing volume and stuff like that. So for me, it makes very little sense to give a tertiary or below priority exercise 
the sort of hardest variation of that movement because the assumption is by the time you get to that exercise in a training session there's probably some fatigue in that general pattern or somewhere thereabouts that is going to again impact your ability to do it well Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah rather than being married to the idea of everyone needing to press a straight bar overhead i just pick better exercises and that's where i think things like machine pressing and stuff can be really useful uh you know cables and stuff like that i'm Mm. currently in a gym where the only equipment i have left is like a couple of calibrated 25s and a cable stack and so i've been doing a shitload (laughs) of cable pressing and things like that uh because it's all i've got left Mm. um but yeah experimenting with that kind of stuff has been cool because it gives people movements that they can work hard in without having to worry about the technical proficiency aspect because i I think that's at least in my head the way you choose a good assistance exercise is to Mm -hmm. choose one that is properly constrained to allow the lifter not to have to think about it because so much of what we do in training is actively thinking about positions and control and and effectively maintaining all of those positions under load so for me those lower priority exercises being simpler more constrained variations allows people to just you know switch their brain off a little bit and think about one or two things and then just work fucking hard Mm. Mm. yeah i've i've got a um viking press machine here and i fucking love it for for what you were saying in terms of like constraints with a machine press because you can really change the angle of where you're standing change how far you you know actually bring it down it's really nice yeah i bought a um a viking press handle for like an end of the barbell for a landmine recently i've done a little bit of playing around with it but not enough yet for exactly Mm. that we've got a viking press but it's a bloody stand or submit one you got to get the whole fucking yoke out and set the whole thing up and so it's it's not quite the same (laughs) yep 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 um biceps yay or nay i used to be very much in the camp of biceps are a waste of time uh and wore that like a badge of honor like many badges of honor that i wore as an young and aspiring meathead um i now look back on and cringe heavily about uh that and like you know anything over threes cardio as someone who's pursuing (laughs) endurance cycling at the moment that's been an interesting shift um so yeah i i used to very much wear that on my very small sleeve (laughs) um but now appreciate much more the role of like well-chosen bicep assistance exercises because i think it's really easy to say yeah you do bicep training and then just do whichever curl you feel like is your favorite curl Mm. and not necessarily address the role that the bicep plays in maintaining a healthy and strong shoulder complex yes 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 um I, on the other hand, had uh, a Poundstone curl leaderboard at my gym in the early days. <laughs> so for those who don't know, a Poundstone curl is just the empty barbell for as many reps as possible in one set. Um, the, the leader was a CrossFit guy who was always at the bottom of the board. And then one day he just busted out like 150 or something like that. And destroyed <laughs> us all. He was like so CrossFit-y and determined to beat everyone that he just yeah. got there. Um, yeah, no, bicep curls are funny. Like, um, I, I include them in every program. Um, you can definitely rattle off some hyper scientific, well thought out reasons to include them. You could also just say juicy biceps are fucking cool. Uh, because like a lot of the hyper analyzed sort of reasons kind of get counteracted by, uh, that role of like, 
you know, uh, stability in a wide position and a, and a bench press is kind of targeted in the bench press itself. And we do so much volume, like why the fuck would you go through the, um, why would, why would you go through that extra effort? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of bicep training. And I think, uh, one of the, one of the main reasons that I like to keep it in, um, is just keeping that rotational aspect of the shoulders healthy as well. It, it's, you know, it's one thing that powerlifters tend to lose uh, quickly over time in terms of the health of their shoulders. Um, that's about as, as sort of scientific as I get with it there. Yeah, I think for me it was uh, initially a revolt against the concept of training to look good because I'd mm. always like been really proud of the fact that i've always trained for like performance first and never really considered the aesthetic side which is like a bit of a fucking cop out in the mm -hmm. scheme of things uh and so for me it was like ah oh, no they're useless but now i recognize that yeah there are some like quasi-scientific justifications for the positions you can put yourself into to do curls in and how that can relate to what you're doing and I'm, i think they all have some validity i don't need to deeply explain every aspect of shoulder mechanics just to explain how to do a fucking type of bicep curl but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean i don't think then about what type of bicep curl i'm putting in there and and doing that sort of thing because it used to be just like three sets of curls and three sets of tricep extensions mm -hmm. pick your poison and again i think what i saw was a lot of people doing a bunch of junk volume that had no real relevance to what they were doing because just having a slightly bigger stronger bicep doesn't inherently improve the health or control that you have over your shoulder um but i think effectively choosing good exercises that will help each individual to find the right spot and understand how hmm. the whole thing works together can be a really viable option for sure for sure should get angus bradley on again and have him speak for an hour about his restorative arm training yeah i've been uh playing around with his little squatty curl i don't have the fucking rotation in my shoulders to like effectively <laughs> get above yeah so i've been playing around with that uh i can definitely see validity in in those positions and how they can open up different aspects of shoulders that you know like like i imagine a lot of people listening to this having been bench pressing for a fucking significant portion of my life my shoulders are pretty shit and i've probably <laughs> not done a very good job of doing those sort of things so for me playing with those novel positions and different variations has been really fun um mostly i'm just really fucking jealous that he got such an excellent name for a program there <laughs> calling a restorative arm training program armageddon, armageddon is probably one of the best fitness marketing moves i've seen in this decade so amazing congratulations angus bradley i saw a guy doing it at zero south side i'm like oh fuck this guy's infiltrating he's infiltrating my <laughs> business this guy's like yeah. creeping through it <laughs> yeah, yeah and i i like using assistance exercises to explore concepts like that like for me i've i think i've in the past probably not given enough weight to how useful effective exercise selection on that end of the spectrum you know it's always been like prioritize the important stuff i've got a list of 87 different bench press variations that i might use but like three different bicep curl variations yeah. it's like i think you can learn a lot from an un a more sort of big picture understanding standpoint by going down these little rabbit holes of pursuing like okay well maybe i'm going to do that chest supported lat pull down variation that mm. i saw on a particularly salty instagram account <laughs> or uh you know some something like that i think there's a lot of value in taking those movements and exploring how those positions can potentially relate to what you're doing with a barbell mm. i think for a lot of people though they go too far down that rabbit hole and forget to come back to the middle point and actually use the information that they've gathered from a journey like that
yeah yeah there's a psychological aspect as well like like most this is without trying to sound sexist most men <laughs> most men started in the gym doing basically chest and arms 24 7 you know like fuck i remember my bodybuilding split had a triceps and biceps day where i would just go to the gym and do arms for an hour just like ten thousand variations of everything so doing biceps at the end of a in a, a session and doing a bunch of supersets and doing a bit of junk volume it sort of like takes you back to those days and feels really good and you get a pump and you feel good and it's like there's something nice about leaving the gym it, well, it like makes slightly more inflated than you were when you walked in yeah you go to itch your back and you're like oh i can't even get there this is yeah, yeah, like, my phone rings and i have to put it on speaker because my biceps are cramping too much it's, well it's a mental payoff it's like i actually really love this aspect of training because this is how i fell in love with training and yeah. so like keeping that in and keeping when people are like oh you've only programmed me three or four sets of biceps can i do a couple of supersets and add some stuff in i'm like go for it like if yeah. that's gonna make you love gonna, training yeah it's not gonna affect your ability no. to perform whatever's next exactly exactly yeah, yeah i think i've probably gone the other way i'd like got into it for that sort of stuff and then got so heavily into the concept of training for performance and technique and skill that i'd ignored that aspect of it and it's only been recently since getting that cable machine and doing like whole sessions where i'm, I'm not moving out of this four square <laughs> radius because i'm just going to get a sickening shoulder pump using every it's variation yeah i'm like oh yeah that's right i really fucking enjoy this yeah like, and i really enjoy how cripplingly sore i then am for three days yeah. afterwards it's so uh, good yeah so good. All right. Anything else to add on the subject of assistance accessory work for bench? Not really, but I do have a description of how the instant coffee is made oh. that we'll save till next time. No, no, no. Hit it. And then we'll, we'll finish with that. And then cause, only because I desperately want to know. Okay. Um, so, or, uh, or do you want to? No, no, no. I'll save it till next time, but you can tell me after the episode. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's All do right. that. Next time we'll do Q&A on Ben. Teaser. Teaser. Like it. G goodbye. See ya.